Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This morning we had games between the Netherlands and Qatar. The Dutch won 2-0. Senegal beat uh, Ecuador what was probably a little bit of an upset, winning 2-1 to progress. Uh, Senegal will now play England in the round of 16 after England beat Wales 3-0 and the US have beaten Iran 1-0 so they progress as well and will play the Dutch in the round of 16. Adam Summerton from BT Sports joining us to talk about all of that. Uh, Good morning Adam, how are you? Well good evening, your time. Yeah, evening, morning. Yeah, I'm very good after that second half for England. Um, I'm delighted that they've topped the group and Gareth Southgate knows what he's doing after all. He, well, it seems that he does. I mean, we've had lots of uh, uh, comments and lots of people I know on social media sort of questioning whether or not he does. In fact, uh, it was quite funny because at the end of the game, Miles Davis, who I know reasonably well, is an Englishman that lives here, had tweeted... More pedestrian bollocks from Southgate's England. Go away, Gareth. And right underneath that was a tweet from you saying, well done, Gareth Southgate. Managed the squad superbly there. Top the group. Maybe he knows what he's doing. Yeah, look, there's no doubt that there is, um, I don't know if it's fair to say split opinion, but there are certainly differing opinions about Gareth Southgate. And whilst after the last game where England were, did very much underwhelm in the goalless draw with the USA, um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend it was a good performance. Uh, I don't think anybody could say that. But uh, I think at a tournament year, I suppose you have to see that you're not going to play well in every game. And we saw that at the Euros as well, where England did you know, really well in reaching the final and narrowly lost out to Italy. They didn't play well in every game. In fact, I think it was their second game, actually, in that tournament, which was a rather drab nil-nil draw with, with Scotland. So I, I, I don't think they're going to play their best every game. I do think that he managed his squad very well today. He gave minutes to players that really needed it. He rested some people as well. Um, he, you know, one of the players he's brought in, Rashford, was the man of the match and scored twice. That's three in three games. He's the joint top scorer in the tournament uh, now, Marcus Rashford. Uh, Foden, who he also brought into the side, scored. Uh, you, you saw Philip, a little cameo from Phillips, who played a, a lovely ball, which led to, I think, the third goal. So there, there were a lot of positives, I think, to, to take from, from tonight. And the way, as I said in that tweet that you just mentioned, the way that Southgate managed his squad tonight, I thought was very good. Does the way that this has uh, developed now with Foden and Rashford coming in and, and you know, probably the second half, the best performance of the Cup so far mean that, uh, you know, Mount and Sterling are now on the, on the outside? Because neither of them have really impressed at this World Cup. And, I mean, Sterling particularly hasn't had a good time since moving to Chelsea. Yeah, I think of the two of them, I would say that Sterling's place is probably at greatest risk, which seems strange to say in a way, because if we think back to the Euros, I mean, he was arguably one of, if not England's best players. He was certainly right up there. He scored some crucial goals in that tournament. But I tend to agree with you that so far that move back to London for him hasn't quite worked out. I have seen you know some good performances from him. I don't think he's been terrible by any means at Chelsea, but he just doesn't look quite on it, not quite at it at the minute. And the thing that England have is is so many quality attacking players that if you're not right at it, if you're not delivering, 
you know, Gareth Southgate's got another player who's champion at the bit to come into the side. So, um, and, and at the moment, it's going to be very hard for him not to start Rashford, isn't it? And then you've got Foden, he wants to get in. You've got Grealish in the background as well. You know, others that we could mention too. So it's, it's a very, very difficult um, to see who he starts. But I think that Rashford, it would be exceptionally difficult to leave him out. I think Mount is a real favourite of, of Southgate's. So I'd be surprised if, if he were dropped. And, and I think he was rested for a reason tonight as well. Just just one play in terms of the forwards, Ricardo, that not really been talked about much after the game because it's a, more of a celebratory mood with the way that England played. But Harry Kane didn't do a great deal tonight. He's, he's not... He's not looked like the Harry Kane we know so far at this tournament. You know, he's played a lot of football at Tottenham this season, pretty much every game. He's been rather flogged, if I can put it that way. And I just wonder whether he he could he might benefit from just that extra day's rest that we'll get now from finishing top as well. I've no doubt that he'll start Harry Kane, but it would just be a slight worry for me so far that we've not seen a tremendous amount of impact from Harry Kane and, and he didn't really get involved a great deal tonight either. No, he's not on the score sheet at all at this World Cup, which uh, I think, you know, it's probably torpedoed a few people's uh, ackers back in the UK. Mm, yeah. um, he would have been a favourite. He hasn't done that. He looks like he's carrying an ankle injury as well. Were you surprised that he started today, given that England yeah. were all but through? Yeah. Yes, I was. I thought that he would start with either Rashford or Wilson through the middle. As it happened, Rashford played off to the to the well. He switched wings, didn't he? But played one wing, one half, and one the other. Rashford, him, and Spoden switched in the second half. But Wilson did eventually come on. But I did think he might start tonight. It seemed logical to me with Harry Kane picking up that ankle injury that this seemed like a good opportunity to rest him. But Gareth Southgate has decided to play him again, and I suppose. As I've just mentioned, they have got that extra day's rest now because they've finished top. They'll play in the evening against Senegal on, on Sunday night. Um, so that may, might, might make a slight difference. But that, that's the only thing from coming out of tonight that, that I would have a slight concern about. I think he rotated really well. Players who needed minutes got them. Walker was a prime example of that. Um, even, as I said, Calvin Phillips came on. Um, I thought Henderson did reasonably well in starting the game. He, he offers something different in that midfield and, and a wealth of experience as well. So everybody's minutes got well managed, I felt. But just that, that might be just one slight downer on tonight. Just a slight worry for me about the form and the fitness of Harry Kane. The other thing that we've seen at this World Cup from England is a back four, which hasn't always been the case, Gareth. Southgate has enjoyed playing a back three with wingbacks. Haven't seen this at the World Cup yet. As they start to play better opposition, stronger opposition, maybe games where they don't have the ball so much, do you think they'll revert? Or do you think he's set the stall out now? No, I still think that he will feel that there is a level of flexibility within this English side. And, and they've played those two formations. You know, it, it, He's not rigidly really stuck to either of them, has he? They've, they've rotated it. Um, at other times as well. I mean, predominantly, actually, coming into the tournament, they've been playing more with a back three, actually. Mm. But if you look at the statistics, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know England's actual win percentage with a back four is, is quite a bit higher than it is with a back three, which is interesting. So I, I tend to think that when they come up against potentially a France, as, it, as there's every chance they could if they get past Senegal, there's every chance they would come up against the French in the quarterfinals. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he then went to a three. And that's why one of the reasons why it was very important to get Carl Walker minutes tonight, because he's been injured in the lead up to the tournament. So that was his first game in a while tonight. 
and he is by far England's quickest defender, and he would be needed if they were in a back three up against the, the pace of Mbappe, presuming that he was fit and started. I think he, Walker was, is, is the only English defender who'd have a chance of, of matching Mbappe for pace, and, and that could potentially be important. I, I think Walker is, has to be a starter if fully fit as well, so it was a, a real plus for England and for Southgate that Walker got um, those minutes under his belt tonight. If you play Walker as the as the right sided centre back in a three, does that for you put uh, Trent Alexander Arnold in the starting conversation because you've got a guy with pace who can cover him behind? Well, I, I, I mean he's he's got a wealth of options there, hasn't he? Because he's got Trippier who started the tournament, um, who seems to be the first pick at right back, and I think probably would be as well at wing back. But you could make the argument that, that I mean, I certainly would. That I mean, for me, Trent Alexander-Arnold would get. Would, they would find a place for Trent Alexander-Arnold in every other one of the top nations in the world. I'm convinced of that. Um, that that I mean, I, I'm a Southgate fan in terms of, of what he's brought to the England setup, how he's re-energized it. In my opinion, he's revolutionized it as well. I mean, you look at this. The, what he inherited was a mess. So I'm, I'm very full of praise of Southgate, but I, I don't agree with him on, on Trent Alexander-Arnold. I, I get the fact that there are question marks over him defensively, but we're talking about one of the most technically gifted English players that there is right now. You know, And whether that is whether you play him as a right wing-back, whether you play him at right-back, whether you even play him in the midfield. I, I just think if you're looking at France, if you're looking at Brazil, Argentina, all these other top nations, I'm convinced they would find a role for somebody as gifted as, as Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I would also put it like this. If Liverpool decided they were going to sell Trent Alexander-Arnold, every single top European club would be in the hunt for him. And I have no doubt about that either. So I, I, I'm sure, I, I really wish we could find a way to, to get him into the team, but it, it, doesn't, it looks as though he's down the pecking order to me. Of course, there's Ben White there as well, Ricardo. Mm. I mean, he's somebody who's very adept at, at those overlapping runs this season at, playing at right back with for Arsenal, combining with Saka. You know, so if Saka comes back in on the right, you know, there's, a, there's already an understanding there too. So that's another option that Southgate's got as well. Yeah, he's got plenty of options. All right, well, let's talk about Wales. Um, they had one good 45 minutes in, in, out of six at this World Cup, I think, um, and that was the second half against the United States when they, they changed things around and, and got back into that match. Uh, Gareth Bale will be 34 in the summer. Um, Aaron Ramsey's been around for a long while. Same with Joe Allen. Um, do, you, do you see this as the, uh, you know, basically a passing of a torch? It's going to be a, a very different-looking Welsh side from here. Well, I think that they've they've got some good young talent coming through. We saw some of that tonight, didn't we? Um, so some of them got off the bench, like for example, Johnson is the Forest player is is one of those who I think, if you're talking about the passing of the torch, um, he's certainly somebody who will look to carry it forward. After the game, Gareth Bale was asked, as he was before the game, look, will you be carrying on with Wales? And he was unequivocal that yes, he would, and he said, yeah, as long as I'm wanted, I'll be here. So there's no hint. From, from Gareth Bale that, that he's a, any intention of uh, packing up with Wales. I don't know about um, people like Joe Allen and, and, and uh, Aaron Ramsey. I, I mean, Ramsey's somebody who's been terribly afflicted with, with injuries throughout his career. So you wonder as he gets older, whether he would see if he wants to prolong his club, club career 
that in, whether pl- carrying on with international football would be the best of ideas. I mean, that's obviously a very personal decision for him. But yeah, I, I think that there is a new generation coming through with Wales. But the problem for this tournament, Ricardo, was that they were they're, they're arguably their three best players, certainly. Well, two, certainly two of their best players, and, and Joe Allen, you, you could argue whether he's one of their top three, but certainly their two best players in Ramsey and Bale, they're not fit. You know, it's quite clear, it's quite obvious that, that they've not had really hardly any influence on the games. And, you know, when you look back to the Welsh side of, that did so well, for example, at Euro 2016, you know, you look at the, how much more effective those two players were, particularly Bale. You know, the level of influence that he had, those magical moments he was able to produce, and he just wasn't able to do that this time. Uh, primarily, I would say, because he, he's just not fit, and he's, he's not the player he was, but then you wouldn't expect him to be. He's significantly older now. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that there will be a, an evolution, if I can put it that way, with, with Wales in, in the coming years. Mm. Yeah, Bale is, I think, uh, his contract was only uh, to the end of the season, wasn't it, with LAFC? So he's a free agent now. Uh, as I said, he's 34. You reckon he'll stay in the States? I mean, you can play golf all year round there. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with him because, I mean, we don't really know what is his... You know, how hungry is he? Because I think he's shown that he's certainly very hungry when it comes to Wales. I mean, the, the fact that somebody of his standing in the game who's won what he's won, who's done what he's done, is still wanting to carry on and play for Wales. So he showed his passion there for his country. That's not in question. I think when you look at the way things went for him at Real Madrid, and we joke about it, but you know, how, how he's, his, his fondness for golf and you know, there were at times where whenever he played for Real Madrid, I felt he gave his best, but you know, he didn't get on the pitch anywhere near enough, did he really, for Real Madrid? Real Madrid. So I, I just wonder how hungry is he to, to go and test himself again at this age, you know, in one of the top major European leagues. I, I can't answer that question. Only he really can. And I suppose we'll get the answer when we see what his next move is. Um, but if he wants to carry on playing for Wales, clearly he's going to have to be playing some form of club football. I, I, I can't really imagine at his age it's, it's very likely that you'd... I mean, I suppose people would say, well, he pretty much has just done that with... hardly He's hardly played, had he, in the lead-up to the tournament. Um, but I think he's going to have to be playing some form of club football in order to still play for Wales. So, um, you know, where that is... I mean, there's only, when you think of the salary, even at this age, you'll still command. There's only really going to be a, a handful of possible destinations, really, isn't there? I mean, mm. you, you might be looking at the Middle East. I guess that is is a potential option the states is another one um but then if you're looking at you know, if you're looking at big money outside of those type of areas you're going back to you're going back to europe aren't you you're talking about teams in germany france england spain and and where where would he go there i mean it's it's very it's very hard because you, you can't really sign a marquee player and then him only play and you know not be a, a regular starter. He's got to be influencing every game, hasn't he, to, to be, to be um, justifying that, that sort of wages that he would still command. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Maybe he can team up uh, with Aaron Ramsey at Nice. I was just looking, Aaron Ramsey's only 31. I thought he was a lot older than that, so there you go. Maybe he's got a bit of time left in him, yeah. Adam. Uh, the US got the win over the Iran. Uh, to be honest, I didn't. I thought Iran would, the way that Carlos Queiroz has, has coached that team in the past, they would set up, make themselves hard to beat and probably uh, get a draw out of that game, but it wasn't to be. And uh, They've shown some flashes with some of those young attacking players that they've got the US. They're going to cause the Dutch a few problems in the next round, aren't they? I think that'll be a really good game. I find that one hard to call. I mean, 
I've been no surprise to me at all that, that Gapco is, is becoming one of the revelations of the tournament. I was fortunate to see him twice this season against Arsenal in the Europa League. I was at both the games, both in London and in Eindhoven, particularly in Eindhoven. He was didn't really influence the game much in London because they played quite defensively. But in Eindhoven, him and Xavi Simons, who's also at PSV, who's not had much of a look in at this tournament, he's also a really great young talent, slightly younger, I think, than Gapco. Uh, maybe two or three years younger than him, but he's another one to keep an eye on. But um, yeah, Gapco will be really important for the Dutch in that game. Um, I'm not entirely convinced by the Dutch, if I'm honest, although Gapco has, has done very well. And I think we saw from, you know, they, they showed a side of themselves, the, the Americans against England, that I thought was quite impressive, the way they approached that game. Um, I thought they showed a, a real organ, an organisation, if I could put it that way, to, the, to their player. I thought Tyler Adams was ex excellent in the midfield that night and with Pulisic there's, there's a bit of X factor there although he has got injured tonight and has apparently been checked out at hospital so whether he'll be fit for the for the Dutch for the game with the Dutch is I would imagine there's a big question mark over that right now yeah I think the Dutch do look different too with a fit Memphis Depay to play alongside Cody Gapko it gives them gives them more movement and um, makes them more fluid doesn't it yes um, he, he's got a lot of qualities to offer Memphis Depay um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite interested to see what, what side um, Louis van Gaal goes for against uh, the USA because he does have options. I mean, you think Berghaus was on the bench today, wasn't he? And, and he, he went with Klassen effectively sort of in behind, didn't he? Depay and, and Gapko today. But, he, but he's got Berghaus there who, who could potentially come into the side. Um, Bergvijn is another one. Shabby Simons, who I've, I've already mentioned, I think Bergvijn would be the player who could play up top. But Berghaus can influence things in the midfield area. So, yeah, he has got options. But I, I, personally, if it were me, I, I would stick with with Depay and um, and Gakpo. I, I think that 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 would be my what I would go for. Mm, all right, mate. Uh, let's have a quick look at tomorrow. Uh, Tunisia, France, and Australia, Denmark in Group D. Both those games at four o'clock. Um, I mean, the French are through. Um, I, I guess the, the all eyes will really be on Australia, Denmark. It feels to me like the Danes will have too much quality for the Aussies. You would think so, but there's a, of course, there's a two point gap in in Australia's favour right now. Um, so. I think Denmark were one of those sides that I, I certainly did, and I, I don't think I was alone in looking at it before the tournament. And you're thinking, you know, who, who's a dark horse? Not necessarily to win it, but go perhaps further than people expected. And Denmark, I would certainly, and probably still do actually, have in that category. So I do think that they're they're more than capable of beating Australia. Um, but look, they're, they're not in a great position, are they? Really going into it, you know, they they need to win the game. Um, so how that will feed into it tactically and the approach of Australia will be really interesting. But uh, I, I've, I, I always like the midfield balance that uh, Denmark has. I mean, you look through the squad and there's a, there's a lot of experience and nous in that squad. Uh, we saw how they performed at Euro um, 2020 as well, where they were unlucky, weren't they, against England, um, I thought anyway. So I, I think there's a, a lot of quality there. They should, they should go through, but um, you know, Australia are in the box seat right now, aren't they? They are. They are. It's just whether or not they can get that point that they need. Uh, what about the other group, Group C? The Saudis play Mexico. Mexico look poor. You'd back the Saudis to probably win that and progress. And that means it's all on Argentina, Poland. And can you write Messi off? 
Well, I guess if we're to look at the last game, the answer is no. But uh, he had that moment of, you know, he's still more than capable of those big moments. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another one from him. I mean, the, the weight of uh, responsibility on his shoulders must be over. I mean, he's, he's, he's borne it really well when you think about, you know, how he finally got over the line in the Copper America, how that much he saw, how much that made um, meant to him and can only imagine what it would be like if they could go on and win a World Cup. But I have to say, I mean, having watched Argentina so far, I think unless there's a dramatic increase in performance levels from the rest of them, and Messi as well, actually, I, I just can't see it happening. You know, I think they probably will find a way to get out of the group, um, but how much further they'll go, I'm not quite sure. Like I say, something will have to click, and I don't feel that's happened so far for Argentina. They don't look like a team to me. Um, it, you know, when you, I've looked at them in previous tournaments, and it, it's a bit like we've seen with, with Ronaldo as well at times, with clubs he's been at, particularly Juventus and more latterly Manchester United. You get the feeling that sometimes the rest of the players are just looking around, waiting for them to do something, like Messi and Ronaldo. And maybe the shades of that here with Argentina. But that is goes against Ricardo. Everything, really, in terms of how well they've performed for the years running up to this tournament. Their form's been absolutely exceptional for so long. And yet they've come to Qatar. And, I mean, I don't know what you think, but for me, they just they just don't look like they're functioning. They're certainly not purring. And, and I, I've been really disappointed with, with Argentina so far. Mm, yeah, especially that 35-game winning streak they had coming in to the World Cup. Um, the, exactly, yeah. Yeah, the interesting thing is it does put them on the other side of the draw from Brazil now. So that final is back on the cards. Um, Adam, just before I let you go, uh, Juventus, your entire board stepped down yesterday. Um, is this a Calcio Poli number two or is it something different? No, I think it's something different. Um, I guess you know, with with Cal Chopoli, it affected. There were several clubs involved. It was a, you know, a, a match match fixing scandal. I suppose is the best way of summing that up. You know, there were referees involved. It went quite deep into Italian football. It wasn't even just the top flight. It was Serie B that was implicated as well. This is this is very different. This is. Um, as far as we understand, solely focused on Juventus. It's a very serious issue for Juventus, um, but it, it, it is. It would seem concentrated on them, and, and we're not looking at match fixing. We're looking at basically um, allegations of, of, of cooking the books, of false accounting. Um, you know, allegations that play that hidden payments were made to players during the COVID period. Um, that, that transfer fees were falsely inflated on the books. You know, so there's, there's going to be a lot to unpick. There's an ongoing police investi- investigation going on. The entire board, has, as you've already said, has resigned yesterday. Um, so this is a story that is, has got an awfully long way to run. Naturally, there are people speculating, well, if Juventus do get found guilty of the things that the, the club is, and or those who've been working at the club are, are being accused of doing, you know, what happens then and then? You know, there's, you know, there could be punishments from UEFA. There could be punishments in Italy. There's a range of punishments that could potentially be from a large fine to potential even relegation, as there was in Calciopoli. So it's very hard at the moment to know where this is going to go because nobody does know. There's so much up in the air. But what I can say for certain is that it's extremely serious for Juventus, this. As I say, that the police are involved, the whole board's gone, 
and and clearly for the club, it's it's a very very uncertain time. The one the one thing we, I would say that we do know tonight is that Allegri is going to be staying, which is there's a real irony in that because the last what six months, the, the, a lot of the headlines around Juve have been dominated by. You know, when is Allegri going to get given his marching orders by the board? And now Allegri's staying and the board have all gone. So there's a real irony in all of that. Yeah. Um, but I think they will need that stability going forward. With, with And on, on, the, on the pitch ahead of the, the World Cup break, they've been playing really well, actually. They've been on a really good run. So this is a, re, a blow at a really bad time for them, a, a massive blow. Yeah, massive is right, mate. Uh, good stuff, Adam. Thanks very much, mate. We'll let you get to bed and get your beauty sleep. I uh, really appreciate you staying up for us. No worries, mate. Good to talk to you. Have a good day.